Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, 13th of July. Nobody mentioned the soccer, please. Thank you very much. We're moving on anyway. We've got the Wallabies playing tonight and the British Lions playing on Wednesday, I think. First test against South Africa. An okay night on Wall Street last night, up 126 points. Small rise on NASDAQ and S&P, futures up 40. And the market this morning was doing really rather nicely after a 60-point rise yesterday. We were up another 49 points first thing this morning, currently up 34. Most of the banks are up a little bit, resources doing nicely. Iron ore price up a bit, gold price down $4.00. Aussie dollar still under 75 cents. I've written a little bit about travel stocks in the strategy piece today. Despite the New South Wales outbreak, they are holding in there. Technically, they're holding in there on an uptrend support line, rather surprisingly, really. And today, they are still going. Webjet up 2.6%. Corporate travel up 2.9%. The 89 cases reported in New South Wales today is a bit better than most expectations. Most expectations were for a number larger than yesterday's over 100 cases but it's below so we'll see how that develops there was talk before that number of a six to eight week lockdown in new south wales i hope not i was supposed to be in the outback this week on a motorcycle and it got postponed to august if we get an eight week lockdown i'm not doing that either we are in the confession season at the moment confession season is this period of time runs from the first of july to the end of august or the end of the results season. It's a period of time in a couple of months where companies that have got results coming up will confess to good or bad, mostly bad results so that the market isn't shocked when their audited results come out. After the 30th of June, they of course get to look at their unaudited results and they realise that the market's not going to like them or they're going to surprise on the upside. And it's seen as poor management not to manage analyst expectations. The investor relations people tend to get criticised if they can't manage market expectations so that the results generally, what they want is results mildly please rather than shockingly please or disappoint. So you get all these confessions in the weeks leading up to the results and we're in that period at the moment. So you might expect a load of confessions and I did read an article last week from one fund manager suggesting that this set of results or this results season would see a lot of industrials massively disappoint and that they were ready to pick up the pieces. But just today, five companies have reported or given guidance. We've got Nearmap up 15%, Institec Pivot up 6.4%, Select Harvest, everyone's going nuts for nuts apparently, up 14.6%, Polynovo with guidance up 2.9%, and Plenty Group up 13.8%. A load of upgrades ahead of the results season, which is a good omen, it has to be said, for the results. I've also put in the strategy piece today a list of commodity price moves in the six months that are being reported on. So the six months from 1st of January to the end of June. And commodity prices drive results 
commodity price rises for most resources companies dictate earnings almost directly. And over the last six months, the oil price is up 52%, the iron ore price up 37%, coal price up 26%, copper price up 20%, nickel up 9%, zinc up 27%, aluminium up 8%. There is no excuse for resources stocks not to produce good results this time around. Of course, it's all about how much is already in the price, but still. And on the flip side of that, gold down 6% and the Aussie dollar down 2.5%, which is positive for all our big international stocks who are earning money overseas and then translating it into Aussie dollars using the currency. So a falling Aussie dollar is what the RBA wants. It makes us more competitive. So a falling Aussie dollar in the last six months should help out some of our big internationals. Biggest sector exposed to currency is probably healthcare. We've got a lot coming up on the calendar this week. The US reporting season starts. And that kicks off tonight with JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs. Wednesday, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citigroup, Thursday, Morgan Stanley. So the big investment banks report this week. And if you remember in February, the results from, no, it was January, the results from Goldman Sachs for the previous six months were record results, bumper results, bounce the whole sector. And there's absolutely no reason in an environment of cheap money, plentiful stimulus, and rising stock markets, active merger and acquisitions that the investment banks in the US haven't made an absolute poultice. And we're probably going to hear that this week. So expecting the results from the US to be a significant positive market driver this week. Let's see what happens. But JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs tonight. It's possibly why the US market continues to hit record highs running into these results. Other things on the diary, Australian jobs numbers Thursday. No one's really that interested in those. Very volatile time for jobs. Chinese trade numbers today. We've got the big number this week, Chinese second quarter GDP number on Thursday. We're expecting 8.1% for the second quarter, down from 18.3% in the first quarter. It does doesn't cease to amaze forward slash amuse that the Chinese managed to put out a GDP number in two weeks where it takes the rest of the Western world two months. Either they have fabulous statisticians or there is a little bit of artistic or political license in those numbers. Anyway, they are out this week. They also have industrial production, retail sales, unemployment out this week. We've got a US inflation number on Wednesday as well. That is a potential risk. Inflation has ceased to be a major market factor. You don't want it recurring in that CPI number. So probably more risk than reward. And we've got a Bank of Japan meeting on Thursday. July the 19th is Freedom Day in the UK. They are still seeing 100,000 cases a day, but they are lifting all restrictions. There are some UK ministers putting out warnings about that, but whatever. does put Australia in perspective. We are too successful, says one article, in getting cases down to zero. It has made made us far more reactive and paranoid than we would be if we learnt to live with the virus. Anyway, I don't need emails about that. I'm sure everyone's got an opinion. 
Other quick stuff today, you might have seen the AFR article. Someone had to do it, didn't they? Afterpay has been a brand that's attracted so much attention, so many eyeballs, so many clicks. Is that successful that someone was always going to start a company called Before Pay, weren't they? Maybe I should start one called After Today. Anyway, you can read through to the AFR article. Before Pay is a startup expected to IPO later in the year. It gives you early access to your salary before it's paid. Charges no interest or hidden fees, it says. Just a 5% fixed transaction fee. Here's 5% of my salary. May not be hidden, but that is huge. I've also put in the strategy piece today charts of a number of the travel stocks and all the numbers for the travel stocks. I think those 89 cases in New South Wales have been viewed quite positively. They are slow burn recovery, those stocks. And also today I have a bit of a write-up of some Macquarie research, which is sitting on my desk on Australian lithium miners, and they are highlighting the exponential growth in electric vehicle sales led by China. Electric vehicle sales are up 224% year on year, and in Europe, electric vehicle sales are up 153% year on year, and that has driven demand for lithium carbonate. Imports of lithium carbonate to China are up 44% year on year, and there is now an inventory drop Hence, the lithium price more than doubling since the beginning of the year. And obviously, we've seen that in the lithium stocks as well. So have a bit of a read about lithium in the strategy piece today. Biggest lithium producers are in Australia. Biggest importers are China, Japan, South Korea and the US. And Macquarie have added Liontown LTR to their coverage today. LTR just gone into a trading halt pending a capital raising. I'm not sure whether Macquarie are involved in that, but that would explain why they've written a big piece of research on lithium miners adding Liontown LTR. LTR is, of course, our $12 million man's stock. When we wrote about that, the share price was $0.61. Cents. It's now $0.84. Cents. That makes our $12 million man a $16 million man. And they talk about Liontown having one of the largest undeveloped resources globally and the largest not tied to off-taken joint venture agreements. They have a $0.105 cent target price, now $0.84. Cents. Make of that what you will. I don't know, as I say, whether Macquarie are involved in the capital raising. If so, it all makes sense. Finally, the strategy summary today, record highs. There's no real point writing strategy until something goes wrong quite honestly a lot of strategists think they're in the prediction game and you probably spend a lot of time over the dinner table trying to predict the collapse of the stock market or the future of the stock market but really having read a big strategist's article this morning I suddenly realized it really doesn't matter what their opinion is about all the factors driving the market unless they can tell you when it's going to go wrong we can all guess at what might make it go wrong but until we know when we're wasting our time reading all those words because no no one knows when the market's going to go right. If all the kings and queens and brokers and central bankers and bankers and taxi drivers didn't know the GFC was going to happen, then it's proof enough that it can go wrong. You can talk about it going wrong, but until it does, there's no real point questioning it. Of course, when it does go wrong, the debate is no longer whether the market's going to fall over or when it's going to fall over. The debate turns to whether you sell, and that is something that you need not debate until it happens. So 
the strategy remains unchanged, fully invested, waiting for something to go wrong. And when it does, we'll, we'll debate whether to sell. Until then, our job is to focus on individual stocks, and it's really rather pointless constantly debating the market until then. Right, as I leave you, the Dow futures down a dazzling one point, giving us no lead at all. Our market's still up 34 points. You have a fabulous day, and I will speak to you tomorrow.